0: Before we get started today, I want to give a shout out to Reese and Elkie from Newcastle, Australia, which seems like a truly awesome place with beaches and kangaroos and peacocks and koalas. They submitted some really cool drawings that are up on the website. Thank you so much for listening, Reese and Elkie. Today, we have part four of Bizards in the Valley, and it is a super cool episode and I'm excited to read it for you, so here we go. Bizards in the Valley, part four. The three young bizards arrived to Valleytown late at night and decided not to go get a room. They set up some tents just outside of town, and in the cool evening air, they looked down upon the small town. They saw streetlights and people walking around. It all seemed quaint and nice and warm, the next morning the trio walked around the town and up near the rock fields. They stayed back a bit. They didn't enter the rock fields, they just looked on from a distance. The rock fields was a large area populated by huge stones that had been carved into houses. The entire place was full of magic. Those stones having been there for centuries and no one really knew where they came from or or how it all came to be. And it was here that most of the valley's most powerful magic wielders lived. The good ones, anyway. Wait a minute, said Isaiah as he scanned the area. Do we know where the oracle stone is down there? The kids all thought for a moment and realized that they really didn't know. They knew it was somewhere in the rock fields, sure, but there were like 20 houses down there. And what if it wasn't even in a house? What if it was in some secret underground storeroom or something? Because, of course, something that powerful would be well hidden. Isaiah sighed. Uh, I can't believe we came all this way and we get here and we don't even know what house it's in or where to look. What are we going to do, just walk down there and start going through strangers' homes or or just ask somebody— um, hey, we're looking to steal the oracle stone, one of the most powerful magical artifacts in the land. Could you show us where it is? No way, said Kaleo. I was just joking, said Isaiah. No way, said Kaleo again, and Isaiah noticed he was gazing off at the horizon. Isaiah followed his gaze and saw, floating above the ground, a massive, massive, hulking pirate ship it was still a ways off but it was closing fast is it just me or is that flying pirate ship headed right for us said kaleo or right for the rock fields realized isaiah kaleo noticed the same thing the boys hunkered down even more pressing themselves into the tall grass on the hill, trying to hide themselves as much as possible. As the ship got closer and closer, they could see the residents of the rock fields running outside their homes and looking up at the sky in disbelief. They were pointing up at it and yelling things at each other, taking up positions and preparing themselves for battle. From off in the distance, there was the sound of small engines revving. Six scooters came tearing around a bend down near the rock fields. Based on the map the boys had, they knew that those must be the members of the nearby Valley Town Dojo. The kids watched as they got off their motor scooters and joined the wizards of the rock fields in preparing for a battle with this massive flying pirate ship. "'They're coming for the Oracle Stone, too,' said Isaiah. "'Those pirates!' They must be coming here to steal the stone just like us. Then, the boys felt completely outclassed. Here they were, three young bizzards from the southern swamps, hiding in the tall grass, wondering how they were going to steal the oracle stone without really knowing where it even really was. And then there was a massive flying pirate ship, probably full of the toughest characters around with enough magic to make a ship fly. The boys watched this all slowly unfold, and realized that they were out of their depth. We need to pick a side, said Isaiah, turning to look at Kaleo and Kavi. What do you mean? asked Kaleo, kind of already knowing exactly what he meant, but wanting him to say it. You know what I mean, said Isaiah. There's no way we're going into that mess and coming away with the oracle stone. But if we don't get the stone, then we can't go home, said Kavi. Well... "'Then we don't go home,' said Isaiah. "'And if we don't go home, then we need to figure out what to do here. "'We're not just going to walk away from that,' "'and he pointed to the pirate ship still heading for the rock fields at full steam. "'Do you think pirates give gifts and stuff when you help out?' asked Kavi, "'remembering the praise they got at Sandusky "'and the gift they received from the Grateful Clown Ninjas.' "'No,' said Kaleo.' That's not how pirates work, Kavi. The boys knew they either needed to help the ninjas and start their lives over as good guys, or they needed to help the pirates and hope that pirate life was better than wizard life. They all thought for just a moment. But I don't even like fish, said Kaleo. What? asked Isaiah, confused at him suddenly bringing up fish. You know, I figure pirates eat a lot of fish. Being on the water all the time, he said. I don't think I really want to eat fish every day. Isaiah looked at Kaleo and smiled. He was thinking the same thing. Well, not about the fish. He was ready to move on from being a bad guy. The boys realized that while they made pretty good bad guys, they would make even better good guys. Well, then that's that, said Isaiah. We'll join the ninjas. Really, Isaiah and Kaleo had been thinking about this ever since they left their bizzard camp. They were just too afraid to say it. Change is hard, but hopefully this would get easier. We should turn back into bizzards, though, said Kaleo, mentioning that they were still magically disguised as humans. It just seems more, you know, honest or something the three boys released the magic that was disguising their form and they all instantly looked like wizards again. They readied their weapons and walked down to the rock fields. Momo was the first to notice them walking down the hill and into the rock fields. Holding both of his swords tightly, he met them at the edge of town. Oh, who are you? Bizards in the valley? Uh, we got enough trouble, kids. Get out of here. We're not trouble. That's trouble, Isaiah said, pointing to the pirate ship, and you need all the help you can get. Well, whatever, said Momo. I don't have time to argue with you. With that evil flying pirate ship coming this way and everything, just try not to get stabbed, I guess, and we can have a little meet and greet later if you survive. The group turned and watched the ship approach. There was nothing they could do but wait for it. Everyone assumed it would stop once it got close, and the pirates would pour out of it and the battle would begin. Instead, the front of the ship dipped down toward the ground, and as it came right by the first stone homes of the rock fields, it dropped from the sky and smashed directly to the ground. Ninjas and wizards and witches all scattered to get out of the way. The ship had so much momentum. That once it hit the ground, it plowed forward, knocking down large stone houses and, and gouging a huge rip into the earth. The wood of the ship splintered and cracked and ripped apart. It didn't stop moving until it reached the other side of the rock fields. It bashed through the entire group of ninjas and wizards and witches and rock homes, wiping out nearly the entire fields. Once it was down on the ground, everyone could see why the ship was sacrificed like that. It was burning and smoking. The entire deck was scorched, and it certainly wasn't going to last much longer. So instead of getting it repaired, these crazy pirates decided to just ram it into the ground. Go for the captain, yelled Ben-Ben, pointing his sword up at the ship. Everyone's eyes followed the sword and saw a crazed pirate standing atop The ship as his pirate henchmen scrambled down ropes and jumped down to the ground. Watch out for that sword! Ben Ben yelled, remembering their battle on the ocean. It's bad magic! The group of ninjas then rushed the ship. Isaiah, Kaleo, and Kavi saw the captain, and even from a distance, he was terrifying. His eyes were glowing red, his hair was all standing on end, his sword was glowing and spitting fire. The boys had heard of this before. When a magic wielder tries to use too much magic, when they let magic take over themselves, they become less human and wild and unpredictable. This captain had clearly let it happen to himself. He was less a man now and and more of a creature just made of bad magic. And it looked like he was out to destroy everything in his path. There was fighting, Surrounding the crashed pirate ship, the pirates had engaged in battle with the residents of the rock fields. Flashes of magic and sounds of swords were everywhere. The captain of the ship leaped all the way from the ship. He nearly flew through the air and landed right in the middle of the group of ninjas. He landed with a heavy, magical boom, and the ninjas were all knocked backward. Where's the oracle stone? The captain yelled. Give it to me now or suffer the consequences. He swung his sword all around him and it spat flames. The ninjas all struggled to duck out of the way. Isaiah and Kaleo and Kavi then rushed at the captain. They knew he was probably the most powerful magic wielder they had ever seen, but having the ninjas and the rock field wizards there fighting gave them some added confidence. Isaiah got just within range of his magic blast and took aim. Kaleo and Kavi did the same, and they each shot a magical bolt at the same time directly at the crazed Captain Gruber. The blasts hit Gruber square in the chest. He hadn't noticed the boys yet, and the attack caught him completely by surprise. He groaned in pain and fell to one knee. The ninjas then leaped onto Gruber, hacking away at his sword and the hand holding it. They knew their first step in defeating Captain Gruber was likely to separate him from his sword. They weren't going to be able to get close enough with him constantly blasting at them with fire. The boys turned their attention to the pirates around them. Many began rushing at the ninjas, trying to protect their captain. Isaiah used his staff to create small magical force fields, and he would project those force fields directly in front of the running pirates. So As they were running to the ninjas, the pirates would slam into Isaiah's invisible force fields and be knocked back down to the ground. Then, once on the ground, Kaleo and Kavi would use magic blasts to knock the weapons from their hands. It was working pretty well, but the ninjas were not having the same success. Captain Gruber's magic was too powerful. Isaiah looked back at the ninjas and caught Momo's eye. Get tubes, he yelled pointing out a witch across the battlefield. Kavi, you stay here and bash pirates. We'll be right back, said Isaiah, as he and Kaleo ran to Tubes. The two wizards ran through the mayhem, dodging pirates and wizards and witches and magic blasts and flaming arrows and all kinds of awfulness. They finally reached Tubes, who had just knocked out two pirates. She saw them coming and pulled back her magical staff to knock them out as well. She just assumed these two kid bizzards were there with the pirates. Oh, Momo needs you, said a breathless Isaiah. Come on. Isaiah and Kaleo turned right back around and ran to the ninjas. Tubes followed them, and soon they reached the ninjas and Captain Gruber. It was good they went to get Tubes because things were looking bleak. Most of the ninjas were knocked on the ground. Only Ben-Ben and Momo were still standing, and they weren't looking good. As they approached, they saw Kavi had handled some of the pirates. Captain Gruber, still looking wild and invincible, rushed Master Momo with his flaming sword. Kavi attacked Gruber. From behind, he leaped at him and grabbed onto him bear hug style. Gruber fell forward onto his face as Kavi squeezed as tight as he could it was kind of like Gruber was giving Kavi a piggyback ride, only they were trying to destroy each other. Momo and ben then stumbled and grabbed at Gruber's sword, pulling his fingers off the hilt. They nearly had it, too, but then Gruber, with Kavi still clinging to his back, shot up into the air. He leaped well above their heads, 20 feet up into the air, and he just floated there, blasting at everyone with his magical sword. Kavi, realizing that he was now at risk of falling, stopped trying to attack Gruber and instead just held on for dear life. The stone, screamed Hans Gruber. Give me the stone or I drop the boy. Gruber then began to rise higher and higher into the air. Isaiah had an idea. Go ahead and blast him, he told Tubes. I can catch Kavi "'If you try and catch him, you'll get crushed, too. "'He's up too high,' said Tubes. "'I've got a plan,' said Isaiah, shaking his magical staff. "'Just do it.' "'Tubes nodded and waved over some more witches and wizards around her. "'Let go!' Kaleo yelled up to Kavi. "'No!' yelled Kavi. "'You have to let go!' yelled Kaleo. "'We won't let you fall!' I don't want to, yelled Kavi. What we do and what we want to do are two different things, yelled Isaiah. Trust us and let go. Kavi looked down at Kaleo and Isaiah and Tubes and everyone fighting down there, and he realized that he probably did want to be down there more than he wanted to be up there with this lunatic pirate with a flaming sword, even if it meant falling a bit. So... He let go. He let go and closed his eyes and just hoped that his Blizzard brothers would keep him from smashing into the earth below. Isaiah and Kaleo projected force fields, just like Isaiah was doing against the pirates, only this time they projected them to just beneath Kavi as he was falling. So Kavi fell a little bit and then slammed into a force field and stopped and that force field would disappear and he'd fall a little bit and slam into the next one. It certainly wasn't comfortable, but it was much better falling a few feet at a time than falling to the ground from 50 feet up in the air. Soon, Kavi had made it back to the ground with just a few bruises. As Kavi was falling, tubes began zapping Captain Gruber with her magic staff. Some witches and wizards near her began blasting at him as well. Many colors of magical power were shooting up at Captain Hans Gruber as he shot flames at them from his sword. Tatiana was whipping arrows at him from the ground, and he had to dodge those. Soon it was clear that all these blasts were nearly more than he could handle. He was getting visibly frustrated. He floated closer to the ground then so he could aim his flaming sword better. Now Isaiah and Kaleo and Kavi were blasting at him as well, so so close to twelve different magic wielders were trying to knock him out of the sky. We've almost got him, yelled Tubes over the noise of battle. Then Isaiah got an idea. He reached into his backpack and pulled out the golden pie plate that the clown ninjas had given him. Just like Bouncy said, it was suddenly magically filled with pie when he looked down at it. Isaiah stood up and reared back and launched the pie as hard as he could, as hard as he had ever thrown anything before in his life. The golden pie plate, heaped high with whipped cream and, I don't know, some other magical pie ingredients, flew through the air directly at Captain Gruber. And he didn't see it coming at all. He was too focused on the ninjas and wizards and witches on the ground, shooting at him with arrows and magic. The pie knocked him square in the face with the force of a brick, whipped cream splashed off his face in all directions and spun him completely over in the air. Then he must have lost hold of his magic and become confused because he fell to the ground with a loud thud. The ninjas hobbled over to him and immediately took his magical sword. "'He's still alive,' said Momo." but barely. Take all of his magical items, said Tubes. Get anything that might still be on the ship as well. You know, said Ben-Ben, something tells me there's a jail cell on that broken-up ship that would work great for old Gruber here. All the pirates were either knocked out or had surrendered by that time. And then everyone turned to the boys. Bizards in the valley, said Tubes. Something tells me you three have quite a story to share with us. Uh, I guess, said Isaiah. Well, said Momo, help us clean up this mess and you can tell us all about it. The End Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before I sign off today, I want to again... Share a message with our grown-up listeners. This is not a sponsored message, just something to think about. January is National Mentors Month, and it's a great time to explore opportunities in your area to mentor a young person. Mentoring.org is a national website where people can go to find local mentoring programs in their area. I want to encourage you to consider becoming a mentor. All it takes is time, and it can have a very positive effect on a child where you live. And it sounds like Isaiah, Kaleo, and Kavi are going to stick around in the valley. And that's good. I think they are much more suited for life at the Academy than down in the southern swamps. And this way we get to hear more episodes featuring them in the future when we revisit all of our young heroes at the Academy. Adios.